This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We're still on the trajectory of faith. Now, I told you to go to the book of Job chapter 36. The blessings of God comes through obedience. And God desires us. God desires our heart. Not just some outward act, okay? God desires our heart that we obey him with a great heart. Now, here's a little insight here in Job 36. Begin with me in verse 11. If they obey and serve him... They shall spend their days in prosperity. Now, in my Bible, I circled the word if, okay? Because the if is telling me there is a condition to this, and the condition was if I obey him and serve him. Verse 12, but if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword, And they shall die without knowledge. They will die as one without knowledge. So right here immediately, it's if he was saying here, I set before you a blessing and a curse. And guess what? You get to choose here. So I can look at this and I can say, you want, you know what? I I want to spend my days in prosperity. I want that to happen in my life. And you may say that tonight too, but then again, it's got to come to this. Do you obey and do you serve God with a willing heart? Because in verse 11 and 12, there are consequences with both of those ifs. If I obey, this is going to happen. If I disobey, this is going to happen. Now you begin to see kind of where we're going again tonight. And so the blessing of obedience or the blessings of God comes from obedience. Why? My obedience to God is one of the truest indications that our hearts belong to Him. So when I obey God, it's saying, Father God, man, you got my heart. You got every bit of me. Now I'm going to shift gears here just for a little bit, and I'm going to talk about King David. And to talk about him where we're going to go, I really need to paraphrase a lot of this. And so this is all found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And King David, he knew what it was to have God's presence in his life. And he knew what it was to not have God's presence in his life. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it begins this way. And it says that in the spring, the kings would go out to fight. But that spring, King David decides not to go out to fight. So right there, he disobeys the commands of God. And so all of them, his men are out fighting. And one day he's got more time on his hand than he needs. And so it becomes nighttime and David goes out on the balcony or on his roof and he's overlooking the courtyard. And across the courtway, he sees a woman that was very beautiful bathing. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Even when you're King David, you're not exempt from this. So David begins to inquire about a woman named Bathsheba. And he asked one of his servants about her. And the little servant said to him, he said, she's a married woman. And David keeps pursuing him until he, or keeps pursuing her 
until he gets into sexual sin. And not long after he gets into sexual sin, he finds out that she's pregnant. And then on his cell phone, he's got an OMG. Not good. And so now to cover his tracks, he has Bathsheba's husband, who's one of his men that's fighting, a man named Uriah. And he has Uriah to come home on a weekend pass. And the reason he does it all is because he's so deceptive. He wants it to make it look like that this baby that she's pregnant with is is Uriah's and not his. But it all backfires on him. Uriah wouldn't go into him or go into to Bathsheba. And so now he's really in trouble. What do I do? So he sends a letter to one of his officers and says, whatever you do, make sure Uriah is on the front line of the battle so he would get killed. So Uriah dies. So literally, David has him assassinated. So you look at what David does. He disobeys God by not going to the battle. Then he disobeys God and he gets into sexual sin. Then he disobeys God and I be- believe he began to lie. He was deceptive. And ultimately he disobeys God and he gets, commits murder. And so he literally sees the presence of the Lord leave his life. And for at least a year, he was out without the presence of God in his life. So the question arises to me now, what do I do if I've had the presence of the Lord in my life and I've lost it? Go with me to the book of Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and this will highlight all this. Actually, a better question, I believe, would be, is there anything I can do to get the presence of the Lord back into my life? And you're going to see biblically what has to happen. Psalm 51, verse 2. This is David saying this, and he said, Wash wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. And against you, Father God, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak And blameless when you judge. Now, what you see here takes place with King David is he repents. God wasn't after a perfect man, but he is after a heart that will repent. And what true repentance does, it reveals the condition of my heart. Now, when you see right here that he repents of what he did here, I have to ask you and myself this question. Have I ever done what he did? Or have I ever done what he just did? What do you mean? Have I ever stood before Father God and acknowledged and said, Father God, I acknowledge my sin, my iniquities, my transgressions. What he's doing there is he's saying, I'm taking ownership of the things I chose to do. 
And it's very important for every one of us. This is, this is about being a believer where you become transparent before God and say, I've sinned. I've blown it. Only against you, Father God, have I sinned. Now, what ultimately happens here is 1 Peter 5, 5 kicks into gear. 1 Peter 5, 5, it says that God gives grace to the humble. The humble is a man or woman that steps before God and says, I've sinned. But he also says he resists the proud. The proud man or woman says, I'm not going to repent. I've had people say, I hadn't done nothing wrong. Yeah, what you did was sin. No, I'm not repenting. And the only place in the Bible that I can find where God ever resists a person is when we have the stench of being prideful or arrogant. And so right here, he, he is broken. Now, think about this too. Sometimes we repent just because we got caught. When I repent, it, it has to be where I'm remorseful. I'm broken where I come in and say, Oh, Father God, I, I blew it again. I've blown it over and over again. Lord, I don't want to keep doing that. So he repents of his sin. Same chapter. Now watch what happens here in verse 10. His next prayer is, Create in me a clean heart, O God. The thing he asked God was a new heart. Have you ever asked God for a new heart? He didn't say, Father God, bless me with some more women. He didn't say, bless me, Father God, with a million. He said, Lord, create me, create in me a new heart and renew me with a steadfast spirit. Renew me, make me new again. And watch in verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence. Again, he's yearning for the presence of God because anytime you're in the presence of God, there's going to be blessings. And so he goes on to say, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So the presence of the Lord was restored to David and it was restored because of obedience. Now here's the obedience that just took place. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you will confess your sin before God, He's faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. Do I obey that? Do I confess my sin? It's very important that we see this here. And so obedience is the key to a life that's marked by the presence of the Lord. Obedience is the key to that. You want the presence of God in your life? Learn to obey God. Learn to obey the scriptures. So if obedience is the key to the presence of the Lord, what's the key to faith? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. Turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, when it comes to obeying, I don't want to have to obey God. I want to obey God. I want to. That, that's my heart. I want to obey Him. And so as you're turning there, let me throw this out. If I believe there are consequences for my actions... It'll change the way I obey or not. So just think about this. If I believe that if I obey God, there's going to be blessings, then I'm going to go overboard to, to, to obey Him. If I believe there's bad consequences for disobeying Him, it's going to keep me from wanting to disobey Him. So ultimately what I'm telling us here, my choices influence my behavior. 
If you knew you were going to get rewarded, you would do what's right. If you knew that there was going to be pain or punishment for doing what's wrong, you wouldn't want to do what's wrong. Now, faith, guys, is is the reason a farmer plants his crops. A farmer goes out and he sweats and he works and he believes if I get that seed in the ground, down the line there's going to be a harvest. He knows immediately that that's not going to be necessarily overnight. It's going to take a little while. But he sweats and he sweats. And that's the same for every one of us. We place, we place our faith in things every day. I don't think we even realize what we do. Here's an easy one. We go out and we start our car. And I would be willing to bet none of us in this room, before we started our car, we bowed our head and we say, Oh, please, Lord Jesus, today let my car start unless you've had a really bad battery. Just get in and you turn the key and you don't even think. You trust that that's going to work. See, we have faith in a lot of things. Better yet, listen to this one. How many of you got in the shower this morning and said, oh, Lord Jesus, I pray there's hot water? You didn't pray that unless you've had problems with a hot water heater or you got about 30 kids and they use it all up on you. So what happens? We get in the hot water. We get in the shower. We turn on the hot water. And if you don't have immediate hot water in your house, that's cold for a little bit. But just because it's cold when it first starts, you don't conclude that the hot water heater's broken and you turn it off. No, you leave it on and you know in about 30 seconds or so, you're going to get hot water. But see, when we, we turn on the faucet to prayer, when it turns out cold, many times we say, it doesn't work, and so we turn it off. But if I believe that when I pray and I come to God and I got faith and I trust God, God is hearing my prayers, God is saying this, Just leave the faucet on. Hot water's coming. But too many times we as believers, we jump off before we ever give God the opportunity. Now, watch how obedience works in this passage. And many of you are going to say, Pastor, don't ever preach that unless my children are in here. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Now, there's a promise in here for children to obey their parents regarding obedience. And obedience, once again, is to do as one is told. So we talked about this several weeks ago. Obedience has to do with my actions. Obedience says, do I actually do what I was told to do? Verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Honor has to do with my attitude. Honor has to do with respect. And so again, there's a difference between honor and obedience. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So I obey in my actions. I honor in my attitude. Now this is what he's telling children. I would encourage you Read these to your children. Read Ephesians 6, 1, 2, and 3 to your children because they will begin to see the Word of God right before them and they'll realize there's blessings when I obey 
And there's consequences also when I disobey. Now, if you'll note here, he said, honor your mother and father. Obey them. He didn't say if they're good people. He didn't say if they were Christians. He said, honor them and obey them. Why is it important for a child to honor and obey his parents? Keep reading. Because it is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So you can look at your children and say, when you honor me and you obey me, it will be well with your life and it will be long on this earth. Now, let me tell you the other side of that coin. If you don't obey and honor mother and father, it won't be well with you. So he's telling me right here through these children, there's reward for obeying and there's punishment for disobeying. Look back at verse 1 and just look what he said there at the end of verse 1. He said, this is right. So why would a child obey? It'll be well with him and long life on the earth. So if a child believes there's going to be a reward for obeying and doing what's right, he's going to lean to the obeying side. He's going to lean to doing what's right. Again, this influences my behavior. So on a daily basis, when I obey, there's consequences for my action. Just a little side note here. This is my thinking with this this passage we just read. As long as your children live under your roof, they need to obey you. Just my personal preference. If they live under my roof, they're going to church. If they don't like the rules, hit the road, Jack. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. This is pastor's paraphrased edition, okay? But when it comes to honor, I'm to honor them for the rest of my life. That's in my attitude. That's in my respect. And so you begin to see right here that there was consequences even for children. So why do children disobey their parents? They disobey their parents because they don't believe there's going to be any consequences. Why do we disobey God? Many times we disobey God because we don't think there's going to be any consequences. But understand this, according to these passages, there's going to be consequences. When I obey, there's blessing and there's reward, and we've seen it over and over. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So he's trying to tell me and you, I come to a place in my life where I'm either going to obey obey the word of God. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is believing God. I believe that God will do what he said he'll do. And then it says that he is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I understand this. I believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do. So then I obey what he told me to do. And I'm telling you, God's a rewarder. How many of you remember maybe in life when your parents told you, now, if you'll, if you'll take out the trash or you'll do the dishes or do those things, we're going to reward you. Whether that was extra time on TV, whether that was monetarily, whether that was to take them for an ice cream, it would motivate me as a kid. 
One of the ways my father motivated me in school was he was like, I'll give you so much money for good grades. And I don't know that you want to do that, but it was a great motivator for me. <laughs> and so again, anytime there's, there's reward for us, when we realize, man, something happens when I do good, it motivates us as human beings. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Now, this point right here, I believe, will drive every bit of this home tonight. This passage, and I'm going to read in Hebrews 3, starting in verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, today, today, if you'll hear his voice. You know, this is a thing that the Lord's really been dealing with me. Too many times, I believe, as Christians, we put things off to the future. Oh, revival's coming in a year or two. The things of God are coming. I believe we can believe God today, right now. And I, I encourage you to begin to believe God when you come to church. Every time you come to church, where you say, man, I'm going to church. I'm going to encounter God today. I'm going to experience the things of God. And listen, I'm, I'm not downplaying the men of iron. I'm not downplaying our women's conference that's coming before long. But oftentimes, we live for the future. I've had men say, man, I wish we had the men of iron coming again. Well, again, those are great times, but I can encounter God today. I can encounter God right here if I'll come with an expectation and say, Father God, I'm believing you. That's even tonight with these water baptisms. I know there was a young girl sitting there, and I said, God's going to move tonight. Some things are going to happen. It's going to happen. And so, again, he's saying today, believe me today. Trust me today. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And what he was talking about is very, just like the song they sang tonight. The Israelites were the ones who rebelled against him. They quit believing that God would do what he said. Remember, he said, listen, guys, I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. Verse 16, for who, who having heard, they rebelled. One translation said, even though they heard his voice, they rebelled. They turned a deaf ear. They wouldn't listen, and because they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't believe. And, and my heart will always influence my actions. So for who having heard rebelled, it, indeed it was not all the people who came out of Egypt that was led by Moses. Every one of them rebelled. Verse 17. Now with whom was he angry or grieved for 40 years? You know why it uses the word angry? Literal translation, he was grieved because God wanted to bless them. God had so much for him, just like he does us. He wants to bless us so much. He's like, come on guys, you got to get a hold of this. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear an oath that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey him? So there was a promise that he said, you'll enter my rest if you obey. But guess what? They chose not to obey. So the consequences of them not obeying, they were never given a rest. 
So number one, you see, it had to do with their obedience. But watch this in verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now watch how this works here. If they would have believed him. If they would have believed what God told them that he was going to do. They would have obeyed him. And if they would have obeyed him. They would have entered that rest. They would have gotten great blessings. So here's how this all reviews and looks. The key to being in God's blessings is I have to get into the presence of the Lord. The key to being in the presence of the Lord, I've got to learn to obey. The key to obedience is I got to believe or have faith. And so the reason we ultimately obey the word of God is because we believe the word of God that that's what God's going to do. And so when you keep coming back the next few weeks, we're going to begin to zero in on faith more and more. But understand this. Obedience is because I believe the word of God. Disobedience, I don't believe there's any consequences for it. So let me ask, are there areas in your life that, man, God is stretching you? And and remember, anytime you can find the things written in the Bible, it becomes a choice. Do I obey them or not? And the great thing about the kingdom of God is this book is the same for every one of us. The only difference is the ones that obey it and some don't obey it. Now, in every one of our lives, what ends up happening is I go through life and I have to find out what the word of God says. Get in the word and God will get into you. But I've got to continue get into the word. And then when I read the word, I'm jumping into next week a little bit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where's that? That's Romans 10, 17. The only way you and me are going to get faith is by the word of God. That's it in the Bible. That is it in a nutshell. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more of the word of God I begin to hear and get a hold of, the more faith is going to come. And the more faith is going to come, I'm going to begin to act on that because I'm going to believe it and I'm going to start obeying it. And it's how it goes for every one of us, every one of us, that I keep getting in the word. I get in the word, God gets in me, and then I make the choice, do I obey it or not? So again, part of this ties in even with the tithe here tonight. I said earlier, the reason a lot of people don't tithe is they don't believe God will do what he said he'll do. What did God say he would do in in Malachi 3.10? He said, if if you honor me with your tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing on you that there will be not room enough for you to receive. And I will personally rebuke the devourer for my sake. And the fruit of your ground shall not return barren or void. So I look at that and I say, Father God, I believe you'll open the windows of heaven for me. And because of the word of God, it causes me to step out in faith and say, I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. And again, many times, your flesh is going to cringe. Your body's going to say, I can't do that and everything. But what begins to, to dominate me or move on the inside of me is the, the faith on the inside of me where I look and say, God's been the same yesterday, today, and forever, over and over and over again. He doesn't change. He said, I do not change. That's Malachi 3.6. I don't change. 
So again, all this comes back that so much is going to happen in my life when I begin to obey the word of God, but I'm not going to obey without faith. Give me faith. Trust what you say. Sing it, Pastor. I double dog dare you to sing it. Dang, that was good. That was good. I tell you, that stuff, I, that, that, that'll set you free when you begin to get a hold of it. So you got to understand this. When I, I was 20 years old, I, I didn't know the things of God. I got, I had gotten miraculously saved. <laughs> I mean, uh, you've heard me say before, the devil looked at the demons and said, man, we lost the good man tonight. <laughs> And the things of God began to happen, and I, I had a desire for the things of God, so me and Shelly went to Bible school. And the Bible school I went to, you went from, uh, 8 to, oh, 12.30 to 1 every day, and, and they would literally back a dump truck of the Word of God on you and dump it, and you would eat as much as you could. And so here's a guy who, I mean, I, I thought Job instead of Jonah was the dude in the belly of the whale. I, I didn't know the stories of the Bible. I remember I mispronounced words and still instead of zealot, I called them zealots. And I mean, just I didn't know. People would laugh at me when I'd preach and I'd think, what are they laughing about? I didn't tell a joke because I mispronounced the words of the Bible. But I kept reading the word of God. And I kept getting in the word of God. And man, things begin to happen. And I begin to see things. And so guess what happened? You get the seed of the word of God on you. Isaiah 54 says, the word of God will not return void. It will prosper for the very first the thing I said it in your life. You can't stop it. And so the reason I'm telling you this, if a God, if a God would allow the word of God to come into a guy that was hungry, who didn't know nothing, he'll move in your life. Just get in the word. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.